The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Training camp is here. Like, real training camp, not rookies. The season is less than two weeks away at this point. I can't wait. Is it this two weeks? I thought it was a little bit longer than that. Uh, it opens the 12th. Today's the 26th. So, okay, 16-ish days away. It's wow, under three that weeks. Is, that is close. Okay. Under three weeks. The local the local guys don't open until that Saturday, uh, but there will be actual NHL games in a real season with real people in the stands in every arena in the U.S., I'm not sure about Canada yet. Um, And I haven't been this happy about hockey in a very, very long time. And I'm happy about hockey, not just the local guys. In fact, I'm probably happier about hockey than just the local guys. As long as they they promise to get rid of those highlighter green Minnesota Wild jerseys that they had last season, I'll be okay. Uh, well, you know what? On the topic of jerseys, uh, one of my favorite jerseys, which I have, I and 98.5% of other hockey fans across the planet have misnamed the Coyotes, are back as the Coyotes for full-time jerseys. Um, the Kachina uh, Coyote, as it's uh, supposed to be known, um, is the... Native American uh, indigenous design based on the ancestral spirits uh, of the Pueblo uh, Pueblo affiliated groups. Um, And it's back this year. This I when I when I saw this on the on 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 the list, I wasn't sure exactly where it was going. But looking looking at the article, I mean, they're bringing it back. They're trying to create a culture of change. They've got a change behind the bench. They've got some. Uh, they've got a lot of youth on the ice. Uh, this just kind of rounds out that whole uh, appearance of change in in the organization. I mean, there's going to be more change when they have to find a new home. Uh, but the Kachino logo, and and to hear Gutierrez talk about it, the Kachino logo is iconic but it's a symbol of what the coyotes aspire to become in in his quote it was the right brand for what we want to stand for as an organization impact and leveraging the power of sports to make that impact in the community represents inclusion and the ideal of bringing diverse voices together and embracing the entire community not just current fans i i mean as far as we know and and what he said what he's quoted as saying in the article is that it's the one thing that he's asked most with the exception of are the coyotes leaving Arizona uh, is when are they bringing back the the Kachina coyote? And to be quite honest, it's one of my favorite jerseys. Legitimately. (sighs) I love the Jersey, like no exaggeration. We're not saying this just for the giggles and to fill time on the show. I have always loved the Jersey and I have wanted to buy one on more than one occasion. Now that it's back as the official jersey, I will probably get one before the season is over. 
The question is, whose name is going to be on the back of it? I will probably just get a gener- uh, an unnamed uh, one because oh, okay. they're not my local team. And right. given how much that. more turnover there's going to be on that roster in the next two or three years, as uh, I- I'm okay with uh, just an unnamed jersey. Um, there's also the fact that, you know, the race for 32 uh, is, well, they're leading it. Their last rebrand, uh, according to the article here, the last rebrand was done in 0304 when they made red its primary color and the high and the howling coyote head its logo. Um, they brought back the Kachina in 1819 as an alternate home jersey, which and, I was thrilled about. And now they're bringing it back as the primary jer- in primary home jersey. It says here. Yes, uh, the road Say, jerseys are. Yeah, go ahead. The road jerseys are going to be a lot more like the uh, what we've seen from them most of the last decade. But this is a great start. Um, if they are genuinely intent on reconnecting with the Arizona market and hockey fans who might or might not have felt abandoned, plus just reaching out to new fans, um, which is effectively everyone who has not paid attention since the last time they were good. Um, I think it's, I think it's a bold statement because it's a different enough design from any other sports Jersey in North America. Um, and by North America, I really mean the U S and Canada, um, that, yeah, it's, it's going to stick out and I love it. Like legitimately love it. It really can't be confused with any other team's Jersey. I mean, no. There are some that are – none of them are generic per se, but you look at Pittsburgh and they have black and gold and, and it looks like Boston's. And and you have uh, – Predators have a – have a, a the, the Predators head on them and the Wild have a a wild cat's head on it. Uh, whatever Ugh, depends on which Wild like logo when they're all bad. Um, but this one stands out. There isn't anything to confuse it with. There isn't any – you look at it, you know it's Arizona Coyotes jersey, and it says here they are going to wear the red sweaters eight times this season. But other than that, it will be all Kachina Coyote. Uh, I referenced Gutierrez earlier. Gutierrez, that's Xavier Gutierrez. He's the CEO and president of the Arizona Coyotes. I mean, it, it's it's a nice story and. I love it. you got Jacob Chikrin, who's one of the younger players. I mean, it's not he hasn't been around at all that long, but he come out wearing that jersey. It says here that fashion is something that he enjoys, but comes out in his Gucci loafers, and then he's got the Kachina Coyote on. I mean, it's it's something that even the young players are excited August to wear. And tub, yeah. And cognizant of yes, I think it's I think it's a great move by the team, especially especially at a time when they're kind of going through. I mean, we we say it here. I mean, or, or I should say, you said it here. I so I will give you the credit, but the race for thirty two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the gentlest thing you can call it is an aggressive rebrand. Um, it. 
if they were allowed to, they'd take their salary cap number down to about, I don't know, 12 million and just, uh, but yes, it's uh, there. You're going to get the young kids who are hungry and working hard are going to get showcased this year. Um, and probably next year because there's not much, there's really not much in front of them on the roster. Unfortunately, they moved out their best goaltender. They moved out their best goaltender. They they haven't done a whole lot as far as bringing in top tier. I mean, yes, Chikrin is a top tier defenseman. I'm not going to say that he's great or he's elite, but he is in the upper. He's certainly areas. above the the uh, the the low water mark. Uh, Absolutely. But you've lost Ekman Larson, not lost him, dealt him away. Uh, so you don't have that name recognition. You've got a couple of young, a couple of young players that are still around. Uh, Dvorak's gone to Montreal. It's it. It's going to be a difficult time for them. So if they can do this ag- ag- aggressive rebranding and they're going to do it through billboards and TV ads. And it, it says, as it says here, beyond the jerseys, they're playing comprehensive marketing push in the community, uh, which billboard, TV, need. radio, digital and print advertising runs throughout the season. They said they've been exploring new arena options for several months, but they want to be very clear. They are committed to Arizona and they want to be there. Words are great. The fans are going to want to see more action, though. Yeah, I mean, if they can actually execute a a brand recovery and turn the team into a contender within the next couple of years, um, you can make a very strong – like, if this team can make – it's 2021 this year. Say 2023-2024 season – 2024-2025 season. Yeah. If they can take this team who will finish in the bottom five this year, a very safe statement. Um, and in those two seasons, make the playoffs and at least win one of those first rounds. They're going to have as big a turnaround for a brand as uh, the recovery of the Tylenol brand after the after the early 80s scandal where people found razor blades and there were claims that claims that some of them were poisoned. You couldn't get anyone to buy or use Tylenol when that happened. Uh, there's there's business classes that still talk about this 30 plus years later. Um, given all of the trouble that this team has seen in that market effectively since it landed. Yes. It's that big a turnaround, even if it takes that much longer. Um, and go ahead. No, I was just going to say, this is a team that, that they're pretty much poised for a complete turnaround. If you look at their roster on cap friendly, all but two, all but three forwards on this team have contracts beyond this season. 
Uh, no, I should say only three have contracts beyond this season. Yeah. And that's Andrew Ladd, Nick Schmaltz, and Clayton Keller. Everybody else at the end of the season is a free agent. And they do have name recognition. They got Phil Kessel, who's 33 Aging, years yeah. old. Uh, Louis Erickson, who I don't know what to expect from him anymore. I mean, he was actually healthy scratch when he was in Vancouver last season and the year before a few times. So I don't know where he's at in his game. But they do still have Clayton Keller, who I'm sure a lot more is going to be expected of this year, especially with Dvorak being gone. and, and Some of the others, not. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think he's – if they can manage to convince him to stay in Arizona and they actually get some pieces around him. Who, Keller? Yeah. They don't have to convince him. He's signed through <laughs> the end of the decade, I think. <laughs> yeah, but we know how that works if players 27, are 27, 28. <laughs> and he's, he's also the highest paid player on the team. Given the quality of the roster, that's not very hard, but it's good for him. Yeah, I mean, didn't spend a whole lot on goaltenders. I mean, it, it's, it is. It's bad. I mean, this team, it, I, if you're expecting, and, and I feel bad to say this to Arizona fans, but if you're expecting playoffs wow please share um <laughs> yeah there's Gostaspierd I mean Gostaspierd Chikrin Strawman uh, Labushkin yeah the defense is I mean they got four defensemen signed beyond this season so I, I yeah I'm not and like I said, poised. Yeah, okay, they're poised because they can turn over almost the entire roster at the end of the year. But they're also poised because, oh, wait, three first-round picks. One is conditional. Yep. From the Canadians, the part of the Dvorak trade. Uh, five second-round picks, all of which are theirs, no conditions. I mean, then you go one, two, three, four, eight. 12 picks next 12 picks at the end of this year eight of them in the first two rounds hmm yeah yeah I don't uh, yeah okay <laughs> don't uh, yeah I unfortunately I don't think Arizona is making any playoff run this year if they do that's I mean wow that's shooting for the stars if they do but I don't see it happening No, uh, I can't. I can't imagine. As, even as bad as the rest of the Western Conference is, I cannot imagine them uh, making the playoffs this year. It, it. I literally cannot compute. You know, Arizona did. You know, bring in a player to try and help them. As they should. Um, I'm not exactly sure. And and again, it, this is all part of. Uh, I don't know what to expect, but you bring in a, a, a Travis Boyd, uh, and Travis Boyd says he hopes to play all 82 games this season. And Travis Boyd is one of those guys who he was brought in to be a bottom six player, maybe even a 13th forward, um, and uh, in his past stops, 
because of the configuration of that roster this year, he does legitimately have a shot at playing at least 70 games this year because let's face it with that many new faces, that much chemistry yet to be established. Someone is going to annoy the coach. (laughs) Someone is going to show up in camp in terrible shape. There's nothing. I don't know who this coach is. I, I, have you ever heard of Andre Torigny? Yes. I, oh, you okay. mentioned him 20 minutes ago before we started recording, and that was the first time I heard of him. Okay, just checking. <laughs> I don't know where he's come from. I, I'd have to do a complete check on that one because where did he coach before this? Uh, you know, So you've got new players learning a new system. Under a new to the NHL coach, yep. Uh, I mean, the, everything, everything points it at there being a lot of growing pains. Yes. Um, which is in some weird ways, despite the fact that I don't think Chicago is aiming at the cup this year, um, a very different situation and nearly the opposite of what's going on with uh, Jonathan Tays and his franchise. Um, Jonathan Taze, as you, as most of you remember, did not play a single game last year. Um, and he had, he had quite an obnoxious year and a half or so of health issues that kept him out of, out of competition. Should he make it? Uh, he has, he's been playing, he's been going, or he's been participating in camp. Uh, should he jump back in for game one? Uh, of the regular season this year for the Chicago Blackhawks. It will have been 421 days since his last uh, NHL game, that being a playoff game um, back on uh, August 18th of last year. Um, And Jonathan Taze is one of those dynamic two-way players who's in the same category as Patrice Bergeron, Anze Kopitar, um, Henrik Zetterberg, um, I think he's a bit more physical. He's definitely more physical than De- Zetterberg or Datsuk were, and probably a little bit more than even Bergeron and um, wow, Ryan Kessler. Well, no, Ryan Kessler was definitely more physical when he was still playing. Um, and then you've got to add him back to the team. I think this is a big win for for the Chicago Blackhawks, if he comes back at 90% of what we last saw him at, that could be the biggest acquisition of the off season, just getting him back into the lineup. Well, coming back, coming back from what he was diagnosed with, it's called chronic immune response syndrome, CIRS. Uh, he believed that COVID-19 after effects impacted him as well. It, Basically, the idea behind the chronic immune response syndrome was everything that happened to him had a negative effect on his immune system. So any kind of stress and he would get sick. And, you know, and, you know, being, oh, I don't know, a professional athlete, that might be a little stressful. Maybe. Maybe just a little bit, especially when you're captain of a team that a lot is expected of. I mean, if he were captain of a team in 
well, Buffalo or Arizona or a team that, you know, not a lot's expected, it'd be a different story, I guess. I'm not saying that they're less stressful, but when you're expecting a team that, yeah, when you're expecting a team that's won three Stanley Cups in, in, in the course of six years and then hasn't, uh, the pressure tends to start building up again. And for him to try and go through all of that and then get hit with this immune response syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Everything's going to affect how he feels every, you know, every little bit of stress that he feels everything. So the drained and lethargic, <sighs> the way he was feeling, it, there isn't, it, it, it's, it's not like a hard and fast. Okay. You've got a common cold. Okay. You've got the flu. It, it, it's a little more vague than that because there's not a whole lot known about it. So they don't, there isn't a whole lot they can do as far as leaving symptoms and whatnot. But he's been working at it and he said that he, he was thrilled about his return. I, I love this quote As dog tired as I was out there today, it's a good feeling. Instead of, okay, I'm in trouble, I'm going to be up on the couch for two days doing nothing. So to me, that's progress. I'm just feeling a lot better. And whether, I mean, how, given how seriously he's portrayed, I mean, he's been captain serious for over a decade in the NHL. Oh, absolutely. Um, which is a whole lot easier to, and it's a whole lot easier to look that way when party boy Patrick Kane is your line, is your teammate and sometimes <laughs> line mate. But I don't care who you are being that sick is awful. And I kind of wonder if we're going to see any sort of changes in his interaction style uh, with him back, uh, with him back where he clearly enjoys being. Um, Team is obviously thrilled about his return. Kane mentioned missing Tay's strength on the puck and ability to fight off defenders. The funny part is there are some players on that team that, He's never, never played, played with. with yeah. Stop thinking about it. Kirby Doc. Nope. As far as I know, I don't think Kirby Doc's ever played with him. Nope. And then there's the newcomers, you know, who are used to being influential on their team. You've got Tyler Johnson and Seth Jones added to the roster. Um, as much as I like Seth Jones, I I still you can still make a very strong case that a healthy Taze is their best acquisition. Well, yeah, I, I, I agree to a point. I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about two different positions and, and how much Seth Jones is going to improve their, their oh, efforts wait, on the blue line. Get, but. Wait a minute. Didn't they get Brett Connolly this off season too? That changes everything, everything. I believe I believe you are correct, sir. But never mind. I take it all back. Brett Connolly is the most important player in NHL history. <laughs> How long have we been saying that now? Uh, forever. Although he did play 10 games last year for them. Uh, for Chicago. So I guess Jonathan's back at, at number one. Okay. Somehow I missed those 10 games and it is to my eternal shame that I overlooked 
such a momentous uh, occasion. Ten of them, in fact. I mean, they did. Uh, I think that they're. I think that they're making more of a run than someone went on. You bring in a Seth Jones. You bring in Mark Andre Fleury. You yep. got. You got Taze coming back. Kane's still there. You got a lot of good younger players. I mean, Kirby Doc, obviously. Yeah, Tabrinkit's going to be there. It, I think that they are making a bigger push than we might be giving them credit for. Probably, yes. I, I mean, I still don't like their chances of winning the cup. Um, I think that, I didn't say cup, but the, can they how I mean, can they make it to the second round? Can they make it to quarterfinals? If they manage not to if they manage not to open up against Arizona, uh, not sorry, if they manage not to open up against Colorado, they have a good shot of making it out of the first round. OK. I, I don't see that. The only. None of the Canadian teams have made enough of a move to be a serious threat in the West. I don't know. Vancouver acquired. No, I still don't think the Vancouver. No. No. The answer is no. Yeah, I would agree. Where to next? Let's see. We got West Coast, West Coast, West Coast. Speaking of Colorado. We want to get the ugly West Coast out. Yeah, let's do the ugly one. Okay, uh, hop in your <laughs> uh, hop in your time machine. Set the date for what six, seven weeks ago, and all sorts of explosive allegations about Evander Kane betting on NHL games and throwing his own games uh, come out of his estranged wife's Twitter uh, or Instagram account, mm-hmm. and it sets the hockey world on its ear for a bit. Um, she basically accused him of a number of things and the NHL lost launched their investigation. Uh, recently word is that the NHL could find zero evidence, um, to support these allegations, um, which is the polite way of saying, um, that Evander Kane's hands are clean. Turned up uh, to quote it here. The NHL said uh, gambled on league games and tried to throw games to win money turned up no evidence of wrongdoing. And but, keep going. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say but unre- unrelated allegations are now being invest- examined, but they're not saying what it's about. Well, those allegations will come up later in that particular article, but here's ah. the thing. Okay. Yes. Anna Kane made these allegations. <laughs> she did. And then when the NHL shows up to investigate, she refuses to cooperate with the investigation. What if they're not living together and haven't in a long time? Excuse me. Ah, uh, this is if, if they're not living together. Right. And she's not cooperating. It's because she either knows she lied or doesn't want to incriminate herself or maybe there's some personal mental health issues going on with her. 
Those are three possibilities. There are a couple of others. But if they're not living together, the new allegations that have come out have significantly less support as a cause for her not participating in the NHL investigation. Do they not? Because I, she's, I just, I did. It, it reminds she, me, and and I told you this before. It reminds me of yet another Kane incident, uh, where Patrick Kane was accused of. Was it? Was it? Was he? He was actually accused of rape, or was it just it, uh, it, sexual yes, assault? It, or, or it was rape. He was accused of rape while, and home, while in his home team, while in his hometown of Buffalo, by somebody with, in Buffalo, with a with the girl's friend in the house, and um, even the even his then accuser's mother didn't believe the woman. Um, and then she wanted no part of. She didn't want to speak with the investigators or the police, so she didn't. She chose not to be involved in the investigation. And it was ultimately discovered that it was a false allegation anyway, and that nothing actually happened. And hello, she makes these allegations on social media, and then when it comes time to actually get involved and say something, wouldn't you want to be involved? Would you want? It says here she refused to participate in the investigation. Not that she wasn't acknowledged or wasn't wasn't included she refused to participate now in separating the two cases uh patrick kane uh, i mean evander kane um evander kane and anna are significantly older than uh than patrick was at the time of the allegations yeah. um they don't live in at the time of the allegations against Patrick Kane. That was his hometown. The girl uh, who accused him is someone he knew. They probably had friends in common, which makes it to me more plausible if you're willing to believe that he bought her off or intimidated her. Which again, there were no, there was never any any uh, signs of through investigation. But for Anna. They haven't lived together in a while, according to her. Um, and you know what? She has family. They're not from the same town. I don't believe they're even from. So if she needs to be someplace else that makes her feel safer. Yeah. It's it's pretty easy to get there. She can get someplace where he doesn't have 75 people watching her. Or who want to watch her on his behalf in the hopes of getting something out of him. So, again, she her new allegations are that there was domestic violence, which I'm... Okay, Evander Kane is one tough SOB. Do you think? If he You've was hitting her... I've seen him fight. I've seen him fight. Yeah, if he was hitting her, if he was hitting her, and I've seen her, she's a fit, attractive young woman, but she's probably forty or fifty pounds lighter than him. If she was, if he was throwing punches at her, or even just throwing dishes and 
whatever's on the table at her. The odds that she didn't end up at the hospital are pretty low. Yeah. This is not in any way to condone domestic violence at all. If if he was hitting her, he needs to be punished, period. End of story. I agree. Something tells me there'd be more evidence of it, though. But I've seen large athletic men who are used to being hit fold up when he throws one punch at him at them. You're telling me that a average to smaller sized woman, lighter frame, not as much padding as not the protective gear that these NHL players are playing in and fighting in is getting beat up by their spouse who they have separate issues with or connected issues, depending on how you view it. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's no hospital records. Nothing has come out. No one. I want to see this investigation. I want to see the results. Where are the police reports? Where are the hospital reports? Where, where are her family statements uh, uh, and friends statements of support? Because she has just proven herself to be an unreliable narrator. Um, She claims that he was betting on NHL games and throwing games to make a profit. And if the NHL can't turn up anything, Evander Kane needs to go into politics immediately because he can get indulge in all the dirty deals that he wants and probably get away with it. Because quite frankly, the NHL isn't bound by the same sort of, restrictions that a legal investigation by like the criminal justice system would be in getting that information. They can rely on a lot more hearsay. So the, the NHL said this extensive investigation of the gambling allegations no was conducted, conducted by Patterson, Belknap, Webb and Tyler LLP in conjunction with NHL security. So it was done by an outside party but they worked. They worked with NHL security. They they reviewed tapes. They reviewed game footage. They asked questions of players and, and league officials. And at the very end, it says, <clears throat> "Our review of public and non-public documents relating to Mr. Kane, including data and analysis from a leading sports integrity service, which ended up being Sport Radar, I guess, was one of them." And our interviews of those individuals most familiar with Mr. Kane's on-ice performance over the past three seasons yielded no evidence to corroborate Ms. Kane's allegations that her husband gambled on NHL games or through hockey games. The NHL said while it reserves the right to investigate any new information that might arise, it now considers that specific matter closed. If you go back and watch Evander Kane playing hockey, if you can ever point out a point in time where he appears to be throwing a game, it will be my first evidence of it because uh, the way he plays the game, hard hitting, physical, he's, I mean, for his size, he's fast, he can score. I mean, he's. He's a dynamic player. He's a legitimate NHL star. If he were throwing a game, you would, I think it would be evident. 
I don't know that he is that good of an actor that he could fake it. And quite frankly, if he is that good of an actor, he needs to go report to Hollywood immediately because he'll make even more money in Hollywood. <laughs> this is true. As far as the as far as the domestic violence allegations, I'm sure they're going to be investigated. But the fact that she refused to participate in the gambling allegations investigation tells me that it's possible she's willing to just make things up. I'm not saying that she well, wasn't abused. Maybe the level of abuse is if he if he at all hit her in any way abused her, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, he needs to face the consequences. But it's tough to it's tough to say that this is what happened when she wouldn't even participate in the investigation that she started by reporting these allegations. It just makes it tough. I'm not saying that it's not true. It makes it hard to accept. Absolutely. And whatever happens, I hope that when their relationship finishes, that they're, one, able to raise their children uh, in a cooperative manner, and two, that both of them are in a better mental health place. And... I really Absolutely. don't want to talk about this stuff anymore, okay. but um, from one uh, rather warm situation to a self-fulfilling prophecy, uh, Jared Bednar is feeling the pressure uh, as, as coach of the Avalanche. I still wonder about this. I, Okay, I don't think he's wrong that he's probably under pressure after two exits, um, especially one of them when, you know, you, you get the President's Cup uh, in the second round, because right. I think they should have won last year in that in that second round. But. I still do not have exactly the highest opinion of of Cooper's uh, coaching ability. <laughs> and to pick him as a guy whose brain you want to pick. Um, well, that's what it says here. He wants to go from proverbial pressure cooker to multiple Stanley Cup champion. So. That's adorable. Yeah. I've talked to John Cooper at length, said Bednar, who is beginning his sixth season with the Avs. In other words, Bednar has picked Cooper's brain about how to get a championship caliber team over the hump. And as discussed prior to the show, I think the answer was, why are you asking me? All I do is stand behind the bench and I kind of gesture wildly and and scowl and, and, and scowl. scowl. Yeah. The occasional scowl works, yeah. Very Just important. You got to let the officials know that you're unhappy with something. But how Maybe much? Don't know what it is. How much does he have to? <laughs> how much does he have to get involved when you have the caliber of players that they have on that Tampa Bay lineup? In that Tampa Bay lineup. If he can make it to the conference finals this year with the changes to that roster, I will actually 
I will apologize and admit that he did an impressive job. Okay. Because while the roster wasn't stripped, it's definitely a lesser roster than they than we have seen in years past. Well, Tyler, said, Tyler Johnson gone. Blake Coleman gone. Um, Paquette, I believe, is gone. Paquette is actually in Ottawa, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they lost uh, Yanni Gord. Yep. Who was the other physical one? Blake Coleman, uh, Barkley Goudreau. Yes. They're a very different team. I mean, they have a lot of their skill players left, but, but the, the 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 physicality has taken a hit. I mean, Goudreau and Blake Coleman, two very key bottom six forwards. Yep. Yanni Gord, who is uh, on that team. He was what second or third line forward. I mean, but he he scored some key goals for them. He may not be, and I don't know if he's going to be a 25, 20, 25, 30 goal scorer for Seattle. He may be one of two players on the team that'll find the back of the net more frequently than not for the Kraken. But you lost Tyler Johnson, who was kind of a, for lack of a better term, kind of a super sub for them. Yeah, he was. He was a high quality utility player. Um, and the guys that they brought in, while not terrible, still don't have the level of chemistry with the rest of the team or each other. Corey Perry, I absolutely believe that he earned a two year contract uh, in the play- just in the playoffs last year. Forget anything that might have happened before the playoffs. Watching him in the playoffs last year, he earned two years, which is what he signed for in, uh, in Tampa. Um, uh, Pierre Edward uh, Belmar, again, he's got a two-year contract uh, this year, or he's got two years on the deal. Uh, Patrick Maroon, I believe this is his, uh, he's re-engaged down there. He he was there last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex boulet Bray, I'm not familiar with, uh, 24-year-old. Uh, and then they have Gemmel Smith, um, who was here in Boston for a cup of coffee a little while ago. I don't know if he was um, about to finish the cup of coffee, to be honest with you. <laughs> Jamal Smith, I think he played three games for the Bruins. That sounds like about the right number. Um, I mean, yes. Yes. Do, yes. do they still have Braden Point? They still have Kucherov. They still have Stamkos. They still have Palat, who I still like, even though he's you know he's 30 now. And, but he's still a solid two-way player, good, good penalty killer. And they uh, probably – and they have arguably the – Three of the best defensemen in the Eastern Conference. Uh, well, Hedman, obviously. McDonough. And and Sergachev is just creaking, creeping up there. And Cernak's not bad in his own right. I mean, they've no, got a not. good top. They got a good top four. They got a very good top four defense defenseman in that core. Vasilevsky. Uh, well, obviously, they bring in Brian Elliott, who getting up there in age, but. It, Backed up Carter Hart as a number two. Absolutely, as a number two, yes. As a number, as a number one or a one A, yeah. No, I'm not ready for that anymore. But yeah, as a number two, I think Brian Elliott can still spell Vasilevsky, and I think he's going to be better than McElhaney was. He's going to be better than um, if he can play thirty games for them this year. 
And I think that's probably more than Vasilevsky wants to give up the crease. But if he can actually play 28 to 30 games for. I don't think it's going to be that many. Yeah. For them this year and win 21, 22 of those games. Um, Vasilevsky is going to go into the playoffs. Pretty much. But with all. And I agree. But to bring it back around to Bednar, he's sitting there talking with John Cooper about what to do. We just went over the reasons that John Cooper has the success he has. It's not about John Cooper and making in-game adjustments or John Cooper and figure – yeah, well, that's true too. Figure out which lineup to run for the night. I mean I could pick the lineup for the night. Hello. (laughs) I think 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 your seven-year-old nephew could pick pick the lineup. And and this isn't to say that the Avalanche – roster is bad because it's not they have what no, two forwards got- over the age of 30 and nazim kadri um and at- darren helm yeah that's it you got miko rantanen you got obviously all world nathan mckinnon uh gabriel landeskog andre burkowski signed burkowski's still there you've got it's not a bad roster you brought in and, and you've made moves to make the team better. You still got you, you brought in Nazem Kadri. Uh, hello, turned out to be way more of a bonus than expected. Uh, JT Comper is still there, one of the one of the best two way players in my opinion. He doesn't score a lot of goals, but he's a strong two hundred foot player. Um, you got good youth with Alex Newhook, uh, Tyson Jost. And then you look at defense. They uh, well, hello, Kale McCarr. <laughs> But you bring in a Devin Tays. I'm not still not sold on the Curtis McDermott pickup, but you've got Bowen Byram who's going to come in and another year of, of experience. You still got Samuel Girard. I, I like their defense. And then you bring in Darcy Kemper, who behind a questionable defense in Arizona still had strong numbers and guided that team to a playoff push uh, the year before. Uh, you've still got Eric Johnson on that defense too. And I think, I don't think he's necessarily an elite defender, but he's a certainly highly capable defender. Um, And, and his experience alone is going to be priceless, so to speak. I mean, he's been around forever. He's seen it all. Yeah. That's before you talk about the guys they have on a PTO at the moment, which are Artem Anisimov. Uh, Jack Johnson and Gabriel Fontaine. Um, Fontaine, uh, I don't know much about. Alone reshapes their depth if he can play anything like we're used to seeing out of him. Well, he played, uh, I mean, this I mean was, left some of his best years in Chicago, I would think. But I mean, he also uh, he also played on a line with Patrick Kane um, for part of his time in Chicago, so. Good line mates make for decent stats too. So I mean, he's a, he's a, not one of your top tier centers, but he, is he going to be a middle six forward? Most likely, yeah, I mean, they keep him. He's consistently over half a point per game in his career. Um, hasn't seen the playoffs in a few years, so just the just the idea of getting onto a playoff quality team uh, has got to be massively appealing to him. Uh, his last playoff appearance was in the 16-17 season, 
uh, where he didn't necessarily do well. But um, in looking at that year, the 16-17 season, he had 45 points in 64 games. That's nothing to sneeze at. When nope. uh, I mean, 22 goals, uh, 45 points. And that's the thing is the balance is there. He's not like just a goal scorer. He's not just a distributor. He, I mean, if you look at his numbers, I mean, yeah, okay, go back to the Blue Jackets in 14-15. He had 7-20. and 20. But typically you look at his numbers and they're within range of, like, you'd have to say this guy is a well-balanced player. Oh, I, I, as I said, if they can add him to their roster at on the cheap, they need, they should do it. There's, there's really not an excuse not to. So I, I don't, I guess all this is leading me to believe that I don't think Bednar is in as hot a position as he seems to think he is. And that's fine. If he wants to put the pressure on himself, if that's the way he performs best, I get it. But me looking at that situation, I don't see that he's in. If they regress, if he gets ousted in the first round, or if they don't make the playoffs, then yes, I definitely oh, yeah, see they, there being a problem. If it's December 3rd and they're nine points out of a playoff spot, yeah, he's gone. <laughs> he's gone. Because as good as that team is, as bad as the West is, you're not. You're going to burn yourself out making up that many points over the rest of the uh, over the rest of the season. Agreed. That's why I don't I just I don't know. I, I, I don't think he's in as dang, as as precarious is a word I'm looking for a situation as he seems to be putting upon himself. And honestly, if I thought I were in that sort of position. I would I would make phone calls to a couple of other guys. I mean, Claude Julian, uh, who's in need of a spot to land, um, is still out there. And you've got um, Tortorella, who's also a Stanley Cup champion, uh, who's not uh, behind the bench right now. I don't see either of those guys taking an assistant spot, but... Uh, be willing to spend an hour or two on the phone with a guy with a guy they respect. Yeah, I I, I would 100 uh, percent. I would think say so. they take the call. I mean, it says here the Avalanche are, are again odds on favorite to win the cup, followed by Tampa Bay, Vegas, oh, Boston and Toronto. I not that I'm I, I need to digress for like a split second. How is it that Toronto is always like in the top five, top six teams to win the Stanley Cup? And have we not learned our reason? lesson? Has Vegas not learned its lesson yet? <laughs> no, no, no. Do you want the real reason or do you want the um, the numbers justify it reason? There's numbers that justify that. Okay, go ahead. Offensively, they uh, Toronto is an incredible team. Yes, defensively they're crap. That, that's that's how it justifies a high position. But the common the common belief in sport is that defense wins championships. Except in basketball. But the the other reason well, is the officials win championships in basketball. But okay, that's that's a whole nother story. Oh yeah. But the other reason is when you put 
the odds high on Toronto winning. Mm-hmm. Toronto is the second or third largest city in North America. Lots of people bet, and then they lose money. Let me repeat that. Lots of people bet, and then yep. they lose money. Oh, wait. So you're saying Vegas is in the business of making money? Most businesses are. Okay. Yeah. Vegas, Boston, and Toronto. I just find it humorous that Toronto's always there, and yet nobody's I don't know how Boston is there, because uh, we can talk about that next week, but... Oh, yeah. um, uh, Let's see. I just... uh, Put a little bow on it. I think Bednar's okay for the time being, but yeah, if this season does not go well, start looking. Um, let's talk about the guys who are injured. Um, Carey Price. <laughs> yeah, I found this one. Um, so I'm I'm looking for you know news stories and I'm trying to find something interesting. And all of a sudden, I see Carey Price is out with a knee injury, so I pull it up. And it turns out that he failed his physical um, due to due to this knee injury. He's going to miss the remainder of training camp. Um, but he's only one of five Canadians that have failed their physicals. Five. 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 That's and like eighteen percent of a roster. And it's Paul Byron. It's Mike Hoffman. Uh, now, Joe Teasdale, uh, if you know who he is, then. I know who he is. Do um, I expect the average non-Canadians fan to know who he is? No, I don't. Josh Brook and obviously Carey Price. So three of those five names are fairly big time names, especially on, on the Canadians club. I mean, Paul Byron's been there for, I mean. And then they also said defenseman Joel Edmondson is listed as day-to-day. And Brendan Gallagher, Brendan Gallagher was absent for family reasons, but he's expected to report. But you've got three guys, uh, five guys, but three of them who are well-known. And one of them is an all-world goaltender, and you're, you're number one until, well, he turns 87 years old or something. And they're going to miss all of training camp. And who knows what this knee injury is, because all they're saying is it's a knee injury. It doesn't say anything about how serious it is or is it just a tweak and he's just going to sit out training camp to let it to let it go. But is he going to miss actual time during the season? Even if he doesn't miss actual time during the season, he's missing reps right now, which means he's coming into the season a little tiny bit behind. And that's going to cost them games. I mean, does it mean that does it mean that goaltenders such as. um, Yeah. What's his name there? Uh, Caden Primo are going to get more more time, more visibility during during training camp. I would hope so. Yes, it does. And Michael McNiven. um, Mm hmm. Uh, I, w- I would assume that the two of them will get to see uh, a lot more pucks and a lot more practice with the first units. Uh, I mean, they all. Know, I mean, they know about you know about Jake Allen. 
Uh, he's obviously going to take over the number one role if Carey Price cannot start the season healthy. Eh, that's the theory, yes. That's the theory anyway. And I think he – I mean, is he one of those 1A, 1B goaltenders that really should – I think he's – if there were steps, I think he'd be a step above that, but not quite a solid number one all the time type goaltender. But – I mean, yeah, Caden Primo is going to get a nice little look here now. Uh, McNiven's going to get a nice little look here now. They'll see what they've got. Could this push them to do something about price? I doubt it. I don't see it happening. They're not eating that much. They're not blowing away that much of their cap space by um, – unless they have another compliance buyout list, uh, left – I just can't see them getting rid of him. I mean, he's got this year plus four more seasons at ten and a half million. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's there's just well, that, maybe they trade maybe they trade him to <laughs> not that I'm trade him to Buffalo or Jack Eichel. They could just swap contracts. Buffalo gets their goaltender and. Montreal and gets another top, another top line center since they lost. Of, um, speaking of Jack in. and Buffalo, mm-hmm. the, the people who listen to us who know me, um, absolutely have to be amazed that I have managed to talk about this situation so many times without actually swearing while we're recording. Because we, this is, we do our best to not do that. <laughs> This is literally the stupidest I've seen a front office be in the NHL in a very long time. As as we all know, uh, or as some of you know, Eichel was stripped of the captaincy uh, earlier this week. And Kevin Adams actually held a press conference and said that he hasn't been the heartbeat or a leader or a part of the organization for a very long time or words to that effect mm-hmm. on TV out loud with his own mouth. I think he also admitted to the fact that Eichel needed surgery and he did finally, finally, finally come back close enough to reality to admit that yes, the Eichel needs surgery. Says right first line of the article, Jack Eichel is no longer the captain of the Buffalo Sabres and requires surgery to repair a herniated disc in his neck, general manager Kevin Adams said Thursday at training camp. So here's the thing. Had you listened to his doctors, who are clearly more clued in than your doctors, six months ago, eight months ago, whenever it was, mm-hmm. but whatever it was. Whatever the outcome of the surgery was, he'd either be back and playing or very, very close to recovery, to full Mm -hmm. recovery and playing, back and playing, healthy and traded, or medically retired. Those are the four outcomes. Yeah. And the situation would be over. You wouldn't be a punching bag for everyone who wants to make a who wants to put your name in the headline because it's easy to search and show up in search engines. You would either have a return or have 
or have a whole lot of salary cap to work with. Because remember, if you had done this in, what was it? March? I think it was March when they were, when Eichel was first injured? Uh, injured? Or, yeah, I think it was like late February or March. And I, if he had the surgery in, say, in the first week of April, and five weeks later, six weeks later, the surgeon says, yep, you're never playing hockey again. Guess what hasn't happened at that point? Any of this? The draft, free agency, all of the players who would have been available with free agency that you could have spent $10.5 million or $11 million on to acquire would not have been signed elsewhere without you even being able to show up to the party. But somehow Kevin Adams is still GM of the team. Why? Because the Pagulers are bad owners. But they fire everybody else. B-A-D. But they fire everybody else. Yes, they should fire themselves. Because without exaggeration, I could run the team better. I have managers from past jobs in terrible retail stores who could run the team better. I know who you're talking about. Oh, no, they're they're not even at the bottom of the tank. Uh, they were oh, okay. many worse than those guys. Wow. Oh, yeah. Eichel failed his physical on Wednesday. Yes, we know that. At Which this is point, literally the most shocking headline in NHL history. Oh, of course, yes. Mm. Jack Eichel's health is most important to the organization, said Adams. We were hoping to avoid surgery, but it is needed. Ah. We were seriously deluded and didn't want to do it. Translation, I'm a moron. At this point, Jack is not willing to move forward with what our doctors are suggestion, suggesting. The fusion Your doctors surgery. who said that he could recover with just rehab. Why would he be willing to go along with that at this point or any other point or anything else that they told him? I just don't. Yeah, I don't understand. OK, but they're still pushing this fusion surgery instead of replacing replacing the disc with uh, artificial yeah. artificial one yeah whatever whatever it would be that they replace with not steel but whatever they'd be um i do love at the very end of this where do both sides so a stalemate that started in winter and continued through spring and summer hits fall with no end in sight until we're going to be buying an anniversary gifts in a couple of weeks until a team trades Adams what he perceives as fair value, a 24-year-old sits home injured and a team skates without its top asset. I mean, he's capable of, of skating and moving, I mean, or at least what I saw of him when he was here in Boston uh, with, I guess you'd call them captains-type captain's type practices, but... He looked was here. He looked steady on his skates, and that's yes. about as far as I would push it. Yeah, but it's just I, I don't. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't. This didn't have to drag out like this. If you had just done the surgery, if you had just okay, you know what. Eichel's hurt. We're going to get him the surgery. We're shutting him down for the season. He'll be ready for training camp in the fall. 
end of story. But now you've got GMs that are talking about Kevin Adams' demands are absolutely crazy. I've seen that headline somewhere. What he's asking for is is not possible. And, and I mean, you still have to manage to do all this within the constraints of a salary cap. Hello. And well, by the no, way, no, no. before the salary, do it in inside the constraints of reality. Well, and that, that too, yeah. doesn't appear to be something that happens in Buffalo right now. Another topic that I, I'm just done. I, no. I I don't want to hear anything more about Jack Eichel and Kevin Adams and the Buffalo Sabres refusal to listen to anything they don't come up with themselves until he's actually no longer a Buffalo Sabre for real. If they're that upset with him, sever his contract, just sever his contract and go on. Yeah, that's um, not gonna that, that's not gonna happen because then no. somebody else gets them and they don't get anything in return. They're not getting anything now except the privilege of paying him ten million dollars to sit home. Because now they put him on I on long term IR. Yes, so his number doesn't count, and that's the thing is his number now doesn't count against the salary cap, and but he's still getting paid to sit at home. He can't do what he wants to do, which is play hockey. Play hockey. You know, does it free him up to get the surgery? Can he get the surgery on his own? I mean, is that still does that void his contract with Buffalo? I I don't know those answers, but I I imagine if he I imagine he talked to a lawyer on that one who's familiar with the. uh, I imagine if he could, he would have done it by now. Yeah. Um. So I'm but guessing let's he can't. But. Leave that alone. There's a couple of other stories we wanted to get to. Sure. Um, and I'm really, really, really just annoyed. Done, by done, done with it? Okay, yes. Very, 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 very done. Um, in the most, possibly the most spoken name this offseason in Boston, even ahead of Tukarask, is Jesper Froden. Um, he came in, he was signed as a UFA, uh, as a free agent, um, uh, 27 years old out of Europe and was tossed into the rookie tournament out in uh, Buffalo, um, where he scored a lot. Um, and it sounds like he's probably going to be on the opening night roster for the Boston Bruins. Okay. Uh, Cassidy. Where- very positive. I know that they're. I know that they're happy with him. They've actually played him on the top. They've actually played him on the Raptors line, or, or with two thirds of the Raptors line. Uh, and they said that he fit in pretty well there, actually. Um, and it had something to do with. And I did see a little snippet on uh, on one of the the morning sports shows. Um, somebody was commenting saying that. He fits in because he played in the Swedish elite. In the was it Swedish elite league, where they this goal scoring is at a premium, and and but he's got this intelligence, and and he he fit right in with the top line here in Boston, and and it's like, 
Um, okay. So are you just saying true, that he automatically had chemistry? Uh, if that's true, and we're, we're going to imagine for a few minutes that it is, and the top line is Froden, Bergeron, and Marchand this year. That is absolutely the best thing to ever happen to whichever guy manages to walk out of training camp with the number two C spot, because it means they're going to have David Pasternak on one side. It means that they could actually end up with David Pasternak and Taylor Hall as the second line. Yeah, but who's moving to the right? Um, probably Pasta. He's he plays on the right with Bergeron and Marchand anyways. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Um, he why. does play left wing. He moves. He moves over to the left a lot. That's why I'm just wondering if he feels more comfortable on the left side. But if your second line has Pasternak and Taylor Hall, you legitimately only need someone in the center who can get up ice and make solid passes. They don't even have to be spectacular passes. They just need to be timely and accurate. And that's a scary second line. And 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 the thing and the thing with Froden is that I mean it says you know never drafted by an NHL team, uh, and they signed him to a two-way deal, so they can send him they can send him down, and he doesn't have to clear waivers. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I I, I don't see that happening based on the way they're talking about. But, the way they're talking about this kid's game is that, yeah, he's going to be sticking with the top club. And I agree. If he if they were to actually put him on the top line, yes, moving pasta down and having. It's probably X, going to be coil, but it X could well in the be middle, Studnika. X in the middle with Hall and pasta on the wings. Because those two guys are both pretty, pretty high level speed. And Taylor Hall will run you over if you're fool enough to get in his way. Um, um, it, it's an, it, it's an interesting thought that I'd like to see them try before before the actual start of the season. I'd like to see it, it happen in a, in oh in it's, training camp or in preseason you know in a preseason game or or something. I mean. It'll probably happen in a couple of preseason games, but even those, I mean, honestly, I think I take, I think I take uh, the camp inter-squad scrimmages at least as seriously as the early preseason games, because you could be facing five, only five or six guys on the other team who are really, really going to be playing in the NHL that year uh, in the early preseason games. But if that's your top two lines, <clears throat> making uh, your third line is automatically better with whoever is there because you're going to have Craig Smith on that third line. Um, mm-hmm. And if this happens, you're, you're, you're legitimately talking about a much better team than we have seen uh, a an actual nine three split, like <clears throat> or maybe a nine three split, more similar to what they did in the cup year than we have seen since then. I mean, arguably, with Froden, Bergeron, 
Marchand as line one, and Hall Pasternak will call it Coyle as line two. Your third line could legitimately be DeBrusque, Studnika, and um, God, I said his name 30 seconds ago. Craig Smith. And Craig Smith. Interesting line. How? That's not. That's the second line on a lot of teams, particularly if if um, are we holding out hope that back to normal. That's, that was going to be my question. Are we holding out hope that the brusque returns to some semblance some semblance of normalcy? Uh, yes. What do uh, we consider my, normalcy? I would. That is my sincere hope. Which means your fourth line with the departure of one of my favorite uh, Bruins in Corrali. You have Curtis Lazar. Centering. Probably Eric Halla. Halla and Polino. It almost doesn't matter. I mean, Wagner. You've got Wagner, Nosek, Polino. They've got um, a lot of bottom six forwards, which bothers me. And that's that's before you get into guys who have been pushing for spots for a while, like um, like Kuhlman, like Kapanen. Um, if Cameron Hughes doesn't make the jump in this camp, he's gone. This is essentially his last hurrah. I don't expect Zach Senishin to break in. Oscar Steen, I think he'd be... Is Senishin actually up. got a contract? No, they gave him. Yeah, no, they gave him uh, seven hundred fifty grand. Okay. Yeah, he's got that veteran minimum or league minimum, and I think it's a two-way deal. I I don't consider him a serious threat for a roster spot, and refuse to until he's actually produced at the NHL level. But um. Legitimately, if you can make those first, three, those top three lines actually viable, all three mm-hmm. of them all at once. Okay, I'm willing to believe again, even with my questions on the health of defense, and with Allmark and number two and goalie number two, um, <laughs> which which is likely Swayman. Oh goodness! Um, the, the the latest anointed one. Um, with, you know, Olmark and Swayman or as your one and two, at, at both of them being unknowns in my very humble opinion. So we talked about this, though. I thought we said Grossnick was going to be number two. <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I guess it depends on how they're actually going to split the duties between one and two. If it's going to be a one A, one B situation with a 40-32 split, a 40, no, 50-32, or even like a a 45 split, 45-37? Uh, something like in that range. Okay. There's no reason not to have Olmark and Swayman or Olmark and whoever the number two is. I think the idea is to get Swayman as much playing time as you can, though. But if you're going to go with a, if you're going to go with Olmark as your absolute number one, and he's going to be in there 58 to 62 games. You may as well have Grosnick backing him up. Grosnick, or yeah, we did. We talked about this a couple of shows ago. So, so yeah, I, I think I think you're on the right track, and and 
and does fro and and I I don't know. Froden is one of those. It, it, it's a it's a problem, but it's a good problem to have. I think because I I mean when I first looked at the lineup, I was like, okay, it's going to be this guy, this guy, this guy, line one, same you know, line two, line three, line four. But Froden coming in and and playing as well as as they're saying he has, and looking at some video, he looks really good. It, 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 he does create an issue because okay now where do you put him? Who's line you know who, is he going on the first line? Does he he plays well with? But who doesn't play well with Bergeron and Marchand? I mean, oh there have been a few. <laughs> I mean, there have been a few. You know, you fit in, you 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 do your thing, but he I mean ultimately it's a good problem to have because having that kind of offensive output, that kind of talent. Okay, we'll find a place for you. <laughs> but does it does it affect somebody like a Nick Polino? Does it affect? It affects everyone. I, I mean, but if the goal is to produce for the team, Nick Felino isn't precisely known as an offensive juggernaut. I don't think anyone really, really, really expected Nick Felino to come in and be on the top line or even the second line this year. No, I don't think Felino was, I don't even think Felino was expecting that. Felino's middle to bottom six at best. I mean, third, you might be able to play him up on a second line, but he's most likely going to be a third, third liner. And, and I mean, his career, in fairness to Felino, he has a 30 goal season to his credit. Yeah. But he also, going all the way back to the 07-08 season only has two seasons where he actually scored more than 20 goals. Everything else, he's got a high of 18. Last year, he had 20 or he had 16 points in 47 games. Year before, it was 31 and 67. Uh, so he's been under a half point per game player for uh, several years. Uh, I mean, his last uh, his last season above that Mark was the 16-17 season where he put up uh, 26 goals, 51 points in 77 and 79 games. Uh, since then, he's not even hit 40 points. So, yeah, he's 43 games from his 1,000th NHL game, uh, a milestone worth watching, uh, just as Jonathan Tays is 57 games, I believe it is, from his 1,000th game this year. Um, I think Nick Foligno probably is probably one of those guys who will get into the game uh, more often than pure stats might justify simply based on how hard he plays the game. Um, uh, I mean, he was a central figure for Columbus during his entire run there. Uh, and as his career has gone on, he's actually played his time on ice has actually Increased. I mean, I mean, 1920 season. 1920 season. He was 1840 a night. Uh, actually, he went down almost a minute a night in in last year in the 33 games that he played last season. Or 49 games. Excuse me. 33 is his age. In the 49 games that he played last season, he he averaged 1746. But I mean, is that that's way more than like a than a bottom six forward would play, isn't it? 
I mean, was he a top six oh, yeah. I mean, with 18, Columbus? 18 minutes a night, that's first or second line for forwards. I mean, his numbers don't necessarily justify it, but... I mean, he does a lot of penalty kill time. He's a uh, He's been used on their oh, yeah. checking line. Um, so, yeah, putting him on a... Turning the fourth line into a more traditional checking line, which uh, we would have seen in the past in the late, late 90s and through 2005, uh, with, you know, Lazar... Felino and possibly Wagner as your fourth line. Mm-hmm. That's an incredible fourth line. That's a fourth line that's going to run over. Yeah, you bring in a Curtis Lazar. He's not a huge point getter. He's, he's traditional. He's traditional fourth line. He's out there being but physical. He's a solid getting, center. Oh solid yeah, two way guy. I was. I mean, I was pleased when they brought him along with. Taylor Hall. I thought it was I thought it was really good to include him in the deal. And his his time, his average ice time has was the highest it's ever been as well. He played uh, about 13 and a half minutes a night. So which is at least a minute and a half longer than he's played at any other point uh, going back to his second year in the league. So. I love that they brought in Curtis Lazar. I liked his physicality. I thought he's got a little bit of offensive punch. I mean, I'm not expecting 20, 25, 30 goals from him, but he's got a little bit of offensive punch. He's he's good at, at holding the puck. He's good at physicality. So I think that, yes, I think that Froden, like I said, I'm I'm very happy that we, we signed him and I'm going to assume that this was yet another discovery by um, – Axelson, PJ, yeah, that's what I was looking for, PJ Axelson, because it's in his it's in his neck of the woods over there in, in Europe, and to sign him to a two way deal and bring him in and find out what he has to offer us is just a good problem to have, and I'd like to see where it goes. Absolutely, uh, quick hitters. Um some of you saw, some of you didn't see uh, the statement that uh, regarding Jonathan Druin being out most of last year uh, from Josh Anderson. Um, I think it's something important that everyone should have uh, tripped over at this point. Um, mental health is every bit as important as and real as physical health. Absolutely. Um, Alan Walsh, of course, retreated it. But uh, Eric Engels uh, posted it as uh, posted it a couple of days ago. Um, I'll go real, real quick. Um, it's he talks about uh, Josh Anderson talks about moving to town, and the first thing that happens is he gets in contact with or he gets contacted by Druin and Druin is training like an absolute fiend uh, to be back at 100 percent to come into the season. And that's a great thing. Um, First of all, I mean, uh, we don't know at this point whether 
the insomnia preceded the anxiety or the anxiety stimulated uh, the insomnia. But quite frankly, if you're not sleeping, you're not thinking clearly. Um, your your body is chemically un, is chemically programmed to respond poorly to life. Um, you need to sleep. It's one of those things we do for a real good reason. Um, I'm happy that it sounds like Jonathan Drew is going to be back. And the best sign, forget anything that happened in camp and him not being on the list of five failures uh, of the physical, mm-hmm. is that he was still able to reach out to uh, someone else and be willing to help them and welcome them into his routine. Um, people who cling very, very hard to their routines, uh, particularly those who have had anxiety problems or still dealing with them, they Mm -hmm. don't tend to alter them for any reason because it makes them more anxious. The fact that he was able to do that, welcome someone else into his home and then run them into the ground, um, (laughs) from what it sounds like, uh, that's all super positive. And I think Montreal fans and Jonathan Druin fans should be really, really happy about this. Um, and I think that the fact that we actually have players conversing not only about their own mental health, but the importance of it for other people really is another, yet another thing we have to thank Robin Leonard for. Um, and he really, I mean, he really did. He opened up, he opened up everybody's eyes when he came out on stage in Vegas a couple, three years ago, uh, when he got the Masterton and, and just, came right out and said, look, I've got a mental illness, you know, I deal with it every day and okay. I have, you know, I've had good days. I've had bad days, but I'm, you know, here I am and I'm still playing at a high level and, you know, I have a lot of people to thank and everything, but for him to come out and do that and open everybody's eyes and, and it helps or the belief is that it, it should help those of us who don't play hockey, don't play professional sports to understand that they are first and foremost human beings just like us and that they can suffer from the same maladies that we can. Absolutely. It helps us understand or the hope is that it helps us understand a little bit that this is something he he's going through. And when he steps away and doesn't want to talk about it, it's not because he's just trying to avoid us and, you know, he needs to get himself right. He needs to get himself into a space where he's comfortable with talking about it. And for him to actually come out and say, look, this is why I stepped away from the game. I suffered. I, I, I've been suffering from anxiety and I'm not an insomnia. Um, one other quick hitter, Josh Hosang has hopefully found a home up in Toronto. Um, if there's any roster on the league that can complement his skill set, uh, and help him start producing offensively at the NHL level, whatever else I've ever said about that roster, it's Toronto. Um, they have the offensive ability, both scoring and passing to make the most of anyone they get to play with. Um, I'm a guy who has been a Hosang fan since before he was drafted. I think that what went on in Long Island, not the best use of his talents. Uh, I, and I'm glad for his new chapter. 
Yeah, I am, I am too. And upset that he wasn't drafted by the Bruins back then. Um, yes. Uh, I mean, could he actually be worse than Zach Senishin? No. The answer is no. The answer is no. <laughs> I was, and, and I was, and, and I, I, I hoped very highly for Zach to succeed, but no, he hasn't. Um, and would Hosang be a better fit? I think so. I think they would have, I think that Hosang would have been at least contending for spots on the team. Whereas Zach doesn't appear to be even at that level. No. If um, he can, if he can find a spot with Toronto and get himself into the NHL or, or in, onto the big club, I mean yep. he's been quote unquote in the NHL, but get himself onto the big club playing in NHL games and and I mean he's done that in New York although Sparingly. it was very it was Sparingly. very in yeah very in decisive with the way they utilized him and I don't know that it was I don't know that it was helpful for him um last last story uh Zach Sanford and Josh or Logan Brown traded uh we actually had a training camp trade this year hurrah hopefully there'll be two or three more before camps uh close and the season opens uh, I like the trade. I think that you're getting a young player who actually has a ring, who's a not much older than the core of the Senators roster, and that's a big deal. Um, he's seen how all of the older players prepared. He knows how he prepared going into the uh, into the cup, um, and that's having someone who's both the same, roughly the same age as the team, as the rest of the team, your core and has that Stanley cup experience. Awesome. Um, and that ladies and gentlemen is where we leave you. I did retweet, uh, Eric angles, um, capture of the text of what Josh Anderson said. Um, look for it on my feed. Uh, it should be pretty easy to find. um, and we will be back next week. Chris? Yeah, looking forward to a time when there will be live hockey on the ice, so a couple and a half weeks away. Woo-ha. Ladies oh, and gentlemen, yeah. take care.